What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. We got Jays, Jumpers, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s, the awaiting suspension of John Moran, Joe Johnson's. I don't even know. I'm so out of rhythm when I think about not saying Ja the way I usually do. What comes after Joe Johnson? Is it just Joe Johnson's? Suppose we don't have Jimmy Butler's anymore. Yeah. We have, we have Nikola Jokic's. Jamal Murray's. Jamal Murray's. Michael Porter Jr.'s. I guess. He's <laughs> pretty mid. It's true. True. But we've got Jays. we got him for days. Josh, how are you doing? I am very excited for our live coin flip that is upcoming here. Our, li- our live uh, our live Jays for Days podcast lottery, if you will. We're, we're flipping for Victor. <laughs> unless unless you just completely swerve the entire NBA community and <laughs> and pick Brandon Miller over over Vic, what if that happened? Like, what that if was- the Spurs did some pre-draft testing on Wembenyama and they found something they didn't like and they didn't tell anybody? <laughs> And then they just drafted Brandon Miller with the number one overall pick. <laughs> I feel like it would just, I mean, chaos. Right? What, 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 would, what would Woj say? Like, who paid him? You know? What under-the-table deal happened? Now, granted, if you don't want Victor Wimbanyama and you don't dry up everybody's well when they try to trade up for the number one overall pick. Right. That too. Then you you wouldn't be you wouldn't be doing you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you kept the number one overall pick and didn't draft Victor Wembanyama. That'd be silly. Yeah, it's also my, not going to happen. Right. My favorite part of that would be just how much of a foregone conclusion this has been since since they won the lottery. And I even saw some random report that Victor Wembanyama is not going to play in the summer league. <laughs> I mean. Is there a reason for him to play in the summer league? Yeah, probably not, especially because he's playing right now, you know. Right. <laughs> and just all of this stuff that is just not even projected, but just assumed that yeah. this is what's going to just everything would fall apart because the whole narrative of the entire draft is based on this assumption that mm-hmm. this person is going to take him. <laughs> yeah, like even on draft lottery night, it yeah, was. Yeah, exactly. Like there are already reports about Tim Duncan, like he's going to work with Victor Wembanyama. Like the guy's not even a spur yet, right? And Brian and Brian Windhorst was asking him questions, yeah, as if the Spurs had just drafted him, right? (laughs) Which I suppose they effectively had. Yeah, it's not necessarily wrong. It's just funny to me because even though it seems like usually you have a top prospect, I feel like people are generally pretty careful about that. Not this year, no. But you're right. It's not like Zion was immediately asked about playing, like what it'll be right. like to play alongside Brandon Brandon Ingram in New Orleans. Right. Yeah. Interesting. 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 Um, we are seven days from the NBA draft, and so what? What kind of pre-draft podcast era? Would it be if there wasn't a mock draft? What else would we do, right? 
after after the Spurs win the lottery, what else are you going to do other than talk about Victor Wembanyama, the Spur? And if the NBA draft is right around the corner, what else are you going to do other than do a mock draft? Last year, which I just learned about 15 minutes ago, last year we did indeed do the entire round, the entire first round, the first 30 picks. This year we are not. This year we are going to do the lottery. We I, we dove deep into the archives and found an hour and 26 minute long podcast for the first round. And that is, that's not the mark we're trying to hit here with the podcast length. So we're going to leisurely take our time through the first 14 picks, aka the lottery, if you're new to how the NBA, to the NBA draft lingo. First 14 picks the teams that did not make the playoffs in the lottery. And we're going to have a lottery of our own to see who has the number one overall pick. The flipping for Wimby, there's got to be, like flipping out for what, right? There's all the trauma for Yama, the the tanking for, for, for Victor. Well, we're flipping for Victor. That's what we're doing here <laughs> on the J-Series podcast. So, Anything else we need to touch on before the 2023 J's podcast draft lottery? So we're, we're flipping because we're going to go back and forth picking for teams. And the question Correct. is who takes the odds, who takes the – yeah. Correct. There's not a third guy, unfortunately. <laughs> It'd be more fun if there was a third guy, you know? Oh, well. Oh, well. Let's do it. Right. There's How a coin. Like to- Josh Josh has Josh has talked big talk about this coin. <laughs> he asked me the other day if I wanted to go first or second, and I said, "Let's do it live on the podcast." He said, "I even have a coin." <laughs> He's talked a big game about this coin, and it is here. It is here on the podcast. I think the best practice is for me to just tell you if I want heads or tails, rather than trying okay. to call it in the air because that's just <laughs> that seems like. That seems there's that that seems like uh, there's a that the, the latency and delay from the cameras and frames per second, all of those fun things might might hinder that ability to effectively do that. So I would like tails. Okay. Now, does that mean you're picking whether you go first and second, or if it's tails, you're first? If it's tails, I'm first. Let's okay. do it that way. All right. Are you ready? I am ready. To be clear, this is just a generic quarter. It's not some kind of special <laughs> coin. I just—it's not a—it's not a lottery coin. It's not like no. one of those really awesome coins that they use at the Super Bowl, right? Where it's they got like Victor it. Yama on one side, right. screwed on the other. Right, exactly. It's it's got the the two helmets from the teams, and on the other side is right. the logo of the Super Bowl. Yeah, right, right. I'm a little right. disappointed that, but that's okay. I just, I, I had, I was sort of going through things and I saw that I had all these coins. So I just knew I had one readily accessible and got sure. excited. Fantastic. <laughs> okay, here we go. I'm just going to kind of flip it onto my paper here. Okay. It is tails. Let's go. I, you know, it's, it's always so funny. I don't know if you watch the actual lottery. Um, but it's it's so awkward because it's like a guy having a party by himself, right? Because there are 14 guys on the... Right, right, right. There are 14 guys sitting behind these, like, big podiums that have their, their team logo. And then after, they'll, like, do the first, like, 
10. So you have like four picks remaining or five picks remaining. Then they take everybody else off the stage. Like they get a commercial and take everybody. Else. So it's just these five guys. And then there's only one guy that gets the number one overall pick. The rest of the guys on the, they couldn't care less than the guys. Like, you know, it's, it's you know, generic white man that works in an NBA front office. And he's just like, yes, awesome. But like clapping his hands and there's nobody else there to celebrate with him. And, <laughs> I think it's hilarious. So I'm going to celebrate privately here uh, with the number one overall pick. <laughs> Shall we? Anything else we need to? Anything else we need to get to? Do we, should we should we wait two months and come back? <laughs> come back and then do the draft. I might need to think about it. <laughs> do we need a five minute timer? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, San Antonio number one. I, I suppose real quick we could go. We could we could lay out the the, the order as it is right now. I'll do sure. that real quick. Uh, San Antonio one, followed by Charlotte and Portland. Those are the top three. Then Houston, Detroit, Orlando four, five, six. Uh, Indiana, Washington, Utah, Dallas. That rounds out the top ten. Then you go back to Orlando at eleven. Still, you know the Nikola, uh, the the Nikola Vucevic. That's is that his first name, Nikola? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. That's not wrong for a second. That's not wrong. The Vucevic trade that still keeps on giving, in which the Bulls gave the the Magic the better basketball player, and then a bunch of picks. Um, so Orlando once again picking twice inside the top eleven of the NBA draft. Oklahoma City twelve, Toronto thirteen, and the New Orleans Pelicans, the number fourteenth pick. I highly doubt this is the actual draft order on draft night. There seems to be lots of uh, hinting towards movement already, and I would be shocked if these are if these teams pick in these specific places on draft night but that's what we've got right now so that's what we will go with okay number one overall pick san antonio spurs select scoot victor Wembanyama. <laughs> this guy has been the number one overall pick in this class for i i think since moses was in third grade i think i think <laughs> since i think i think since since Big Moses was in the third grade, Victor Wembanyama was going to be the 2023 over number one overall pick in this year's draft. Nothing has changed about that. Perhaps a a true one of one type of prospect, this seven five guy with guard type skills, and uh, he's completely turned the NBA upside down for the last you know 16 months or so. San Antonio winning the sweepstakes and. Um, as the GM of San Antonio right now for the next 90 seconds, that's the move. And of course that's the move and that's, what's going to happen. Victor number one to San Antonio. I mean, you're not going to cheer for me. You're not going to cheer for me. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very happy. It, I, I'm interested to see what the conversation about his playoffs will be once draft coverage actually starts mm. and whether meaning the playoffs for the team he's currently playing yes, for. Yes. Yes. Sure. Cause not off to a great start. I just wonder if people care at all. Cause it, you're right that it doesn't fit into the narrative that has been established. 
I'm just curious. I mean, that's all I well, have to say. Well, well, it's okay because the guy who's probably gonna, who it seems like Charlotte's leaning towards at number two also was horrible in his playoffs, and people didn't seem to care. So it would fit. Fair point. Because apparently you can rocket into the lottery because of your NCAA tournament <laughs> performance. But if you're just horrible and have more turnovers than points in the event, then 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 you get a pass. He was injured. It's fine. Look at all the shots I'm taking. Poor Brandon For Miller. Real? Brandon Miller's fine. Brandon Miller's good. We're fine with Brandon Miller over here. Okay. Number two, the Charlotte Hornets on the clock. I don't know why I wasn't more prepared for this. <laughs> I guess I was mentally waiting to see if I actually won the coin flip or not. Mm. Maybe this is this is why they do the lottery. Do we need two months? You want to circle <laughs> back? <laughs> Charlotte is going to take Brandon Miller. Okay. Tell me why. I. I like the fit much better. To me, if you're Charlotte, you're at the point where you need to kind of stop going after prospects and potential. You know exactly what you're getting immediately with Brandon Miller. He can fit into whatever you're doing. You have a primary ball handler. And the gap between those two is not super wide from my perspective. Mm. If it was a a different team, I might lean in a different direction. But there are enough pieces in Charlotte where it's time to to start moving and making the playoffs and things like that. And Brandon Miller is going to help you do that faster than Scoop. I also think Brandon Miller was number two on my big board and who I would have picked at number two if I had gotten the number two overall pick. If I had lost the sweepstakes for Wembenyama, that is what I would have done. I just think it's harder to find a guy like Brandon Miller than it is Scoot. We kind of do this Mm -hmm. every year with guards. There are a ton of guards, a ton. And next year, there will be more guards. And, but like next year, there's probably not going to be a guy that fits the two way ceiling of Paul George the way that yep. Brandon Miller does. It's a good point. I actually think the Scoot LaMelo fit is intriguing. And I think, and I think Charlotte, I think Scoot actually fits in Charlotte immediately way better than he fits in Portland. I would agree with Um, that. Assuming, I mean, unless the Trailblazers plan to trade Dame this offseason, then it, then there's a more obvious fit. But there's already an undersized backcourt in Portland that does a lot of scoring. Right. right with with yeah. Dame and Anthony Simons, and the future of that basketball team is not Dame and Scoot together. Those two guys, those th- that's two six two guards. You can't do that. Um, but I just think at the end of the day, the six nine guy with two way that 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 ceiling is to be elite on both ends of the floor is 
way less likely to to stumble upon again than than a ball dominant athletic kind of shoot out of a cannon type of guard like scoot and for that reasons i think i think that's ultimately why we've gotten to this point with scoot because i mean with brandon miller versus scoot because i think people have remembered that and initially it was right brandon miller was just this five-star prospect and scoot was the g league guy that everyone's known about forever and that was just kind of the assumption but when you put the two guys together Like Brandon Miller could be Paul George and Scoot could be Dame if if you're I mean if he becomes a really good three point shooter, which he's not right now. So I don't know. I think there's I think that Paul George versus Damian Lillard is an interesting conversation about who you would want on your basketball team if you're trying to win a championship. But either way, it's not like you're giving up a really high ceiling for a guy that can do things on both ends of the floor. Like your mm-hmm. his ceiling is so high because he could be elite in five years at on both ends of the floor. Yeah. And and that guy is gonna fit pretty much anywhere. Right. And that's the other interesting part of this is you look at the teams making these decisions that theoretically these three guys are gonna be off the board one, two, three. So if you're let's say the Pelicans who apparently are doing everything they can to go draft Scoot. Mm-hmm. Then it's a different conversation because you have a Brandon Ingram and a Herb Jones. And in theory, you're kind of looking for your home run face of the franchise kind of guy with that. While also having a primary ball handler spot available as opposed to Charlotte who has a ball handler and Portland who has a ball handler. What you get with Brandon Miller is right. The combination of upside and he fits with any team mm-hmm. because every team needs somebody that does that. He's low usage. You don't have to build your offense around him. He doesn't need the ball to be impactful. Mm-hmm. And the teams that we're looking at here kind of all the way down the list Charlotte, Portland, Houston, Detroit have either taken a primary ball handler in the last few drafts, or at least, you know, a, a big time scoring guard, or have a all star caliber one already. And so that is also helping Brandon Miller's case that right, if the if if it's pretty much a toss up between the two, there are some other teams that I could argue if you don't have that go to guard. I would rather take Scoot, but those teams are not the ones that are going to be in a position at least right now to take him. And so Brandon Miller is kind of getting that pendulum swung in his direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number four, Houston. You're on we got to do three, right? Oh yeah. Sorry. Three, <laughs> me, Portland, Scoot <laughs> Henderson. He's either, he's either the successor to Damian Lillard right now or in a year or whatever, but he is the only guy left on the board at this point. That is possibly the guy that can be the focal point of the next era of the trailblazers. I would be surprised if anybody else in this draft really turns into that. Maybe one or two guys that I, that I could offer up, but 
Scoot's the third best. Scoot is is the second or third best player in this in this class, depending on who you ask. And if Portland ends up making this pick, this is this is who they have to take and figure out what it does to Damian Lillard's future. And maybe it just kind of unlocks the thing that they've been beating around the bush about for years now, which is like it's time for him to find a new place to play basketball. It just is. And Scoot kind of facilitates that on top of being a super fun, super talented lead guard on your basketball team. So Scoot at three. We spent so much see- time talking about Scoot just now. I forgot that I didn't actually pick him <laughs> yet. So he is officially off the board at three to Portland. It does seem like there's more conversation about that actually happening this summer. Because mm-hmm. I feel like everybody just kind of throws around, oh, you could trade for Damian Lillard, but Damian Lillard doesn't actually want to be traded and it never mm-hmm. goes anywhere. And now I feel like that's starting to change. And like like you said, adding Scoot to that equation just increases that probability. And the other thing I wanted to hammer home that you mentioned is whether you like the fit or not, if you're Portland, if you're holding on to this pick, you have to take whichever one's there. Yeah, for sure. No matter what it does for your team no matter how you feel about it, ideally you trade out of it. And I expect that's what's going to happen. But if you do not find a trade partner, yeah, you can't, you can't sacrifice on the, the kind of argue, the basis of roster fit when you don't have enough talent to begin with and are probably going to be entering a rebuild soon anyway. Mm-hmm. So right there with you. On the clock, Houston, number four. This is going to be one of the more interesting picks in the draft. I'm curious about this one. And I think I'm going to surprise you here. Houston is taking Cam Whitmore. Interesting. Okay. I'm into that. This is theoretically a team that is trying to get back to being a good basketball team soon. Mm-hmm. Right? Already taken... You're kind of top end of the lottery, guys. You have another chance here. Not only does he fit nicely with the Jabari Smith and Jalen Greens of the world, but also, I, to me, there is an upside here that doesn't exist with the rest of the draft class. If you're asking me, if you tell me that there are four all-stars coming out of this draft, those are my four guesses. Those first three guys and Cam Whitmore before any of the other players. And so to me, if you're Houston, either you're going to be bad again, or you got, I'm to the point where you got to kind of got to start swinging for the fences mm-hmm. to, you're not in a point where you're trying to just get somebody that's going to help you, right? You're not there yet. And especially if James Harden comes, you need to add as much talent as possible around him. So I want the high upside guy. You know you've got a couple really promising players who are developing. There were some definitely some positives to take away. There's just nobody I look at and go, I just feel really good about that floor. So adding him to this equation makes a lot of sense. I want the the guy that I feel like can be a really, really good player on a good team, and that's Cam Whitmore. Unfortunately, 
Detroit is bad and is going to be bad for the rest of time. So he'll just be a good player on a bad team, unfortunately. But <laughs> that is the that is the unfortunate reality of. There's another guy in the lottery that it just makes me sad that he's going to go to a bad basketball team because he's just the type of guy that, I mean, all of these guys, but there's one in particular that it makes me sad that he'll probably end up on a bad basketball team. Um, I was really excited about taking Cam Whitmore at five. So um, that makes me a little sad because I don't like either of the Thompson twins in Detroit because the Thompson twins are not really like they're both six, six guys. And I was hoping Cam Whitmore could be my small forward of the future. And I don't really want one of the Thompson guys to be my Jaden Ivy counterparts because this kind of like athletic, all over the floor type thing is kind of already, we've got that in Detroit. That team though, if if you line up Ivy, a Thompson, Kate Cunningham, all of the athletic big guys they have and somebody else, that is a massive super athletic team. It's at least interesting. Yeah. With, with who shooting, but, with right. who spacing the floor in any way whatsoever with the, yeah. I didn't say it was a good basketball team. I said it was an interesting one. Yeah, they're very good at some things and would struggle a lot in plenty of other areas. Yes. <laughs> I still, I still like. I think we're, I think we're a little further down the Detroit Pistons timeline than we should be. Than people want. We're we're not a, quite as far down as people would like the the pistons to be does that make sense the pistons suck like they're bad they're now they horrible. also didn't have kate cunningham yes but kate cunningham on the team they're still suck they're still bad and they're still horrible it's not like kate cunningham turned them into an average nba basketball team right definitely my point being here is that i'm taking the guy that i think has the highest ceiling left and that's amen thompson um i like asar more I'll just I'll just be straight up. I don't think Eamon Thompson is Amen Eamon is going to be a star. I just don't. I just don't have faith in either Thompson twins' abilities to have to 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 have the shooting that is going to be required for them to kind of be a star. But at this point, I think you have to go upside. Because I think Usar will be a like a glue type guy, do a lot of different things for your team, and if one of them's going to turn into a really high level scorer, it's going to be him in. Mm-hmm. And for that, I'll take him because I still think Detroit should be in. Let's get as much talent in the room as we can, and hope we hit on enough of it to turn us into a good basketball team. And if and even if he's the type of guy that just needs somebody to put him in good positions, Kate Cunningham's a pretty good guy to to have to do that. And um, so I'll go with the men. I don't I don't love it, and I would really like to be able to take Cam Whitmore. But some of these other guys that I would consider that would kind of fill that spot, 
I think it's a little too high to take them. It's five is not too high to take Amen. So I'll go with a minute five. Yeah, to me, that's one of the most interesting parts of this draft is Houston and Detroit four five for that very reason that we were thinking. I can't this- believe you took him Whitmore. I'm so mad <laughs> for the you. exact same reason that you wanted to take him at five. Mm-hmm. Of yes, there are all these young pieces. They seem to be headed in the right direction, but this is not the foundation of a championship team yet. Right. So if you're going to go with the rebuilding, the the young kind of grow this core route, go for the home run and try and find yourself another all star. I'm right there with you. That it makes it different because there's a they're at least presented as closer to being a playoff team than most teams picking in the top five, right? In theory, yes. In theory. Because you have all these pieces that look good on paper. But also, like you said, these teams still aren't winning basketball games. So it's not like you can pick out a luxury and just get another guy that fits nicely in your roster. You need to go for the highest upside. Yeah. Yeah. They still only won 23 games two years ago. And that Mm -hmm. was... And 23 games two years ago in a year that Cade played... He played 64 games that year, and they yeah. won 23 of them. So that's not a knock yet. I just kind of think, like, and we also kind of got into a, oh, my gosh, the Pistons could get Victor Wembanyama, and they're just not that close. Now, if they had gotten Victor, they'd, they'd be there. But without that guy, they're just not that close. And all of that to say that, like if I if they really were that close, then maybe you go deeper down the board in a way that you wouldn't otherwise to solidify how much sense your roster makes. Mm-hmm. Right. But they are not in that position. Not yet. Right. Right. So take the best guy remaining, the yep. guy that has the most talent. It has the most star potential, and I think that's a man. Agree. Orlando on the clock at six. Anthony Black. Interesting. I'm I'm here for Anthony. I'm glad that you took him at six. Anthony Black is the guy that I is the guy that I'll be sad if he ends up on the Washington Wizards. Mm. Because he's just a guy that's gonna at some point in his career, he's gonna go to a team that is already like good and he's gonna help them be really good. Mm-hmm. And the Wizards might not be good until I'm retired, <laughs> especially. And they might they might be the worst team in the NBA next year if they actually yep. move off Bradley Beal. Yep. So. Yeah. And I do like this fit in Orlando, too. Not only do I feel like he's the best player on the board, but also, right, when you talk about foundational pieces, the first name that comes to mind is Paolo, who is a scorer. <laughs> And yes, you have some other guards in there who are also primarily scorers that can play off the ball, especially because Anthony Black is big enough that you can put a Cole Anthony, a Markel Fultz next to him. You can essentially invert it, right? And have Anthony Black as your ball handler and your point guard as your shooting guard from a size standpoint, and then reverse it on the defensive end. So there's nothing standing in his way of adding something to this team and being a contributor right away. And he's not going to get in anybody else's way. So I really like that fit. And he just gives you something to me that there's not another player in this draft that offers 
in terms of the combination of passing, defense, versatility, all of that kind of stuff. He is, there are other players like him, but in this draft, I don't really feel like there is another one. And I like how he fits in Orlando. It would be really fun if he fit well in Orlando. Because then, because then any, if he can fit well in Orlando, then like he's the perfect kind of guy to put next to Cole Anthony. Exactly. Like perfect. Not just from a, uh, I can make up for the defensive limitations that a 6-1 guard has, but Cole Anthony shouldn't, the best version of Cole Anthony is a situation where he can do nothing but worry about scoring. Mm-hmm. And Anthony Black, just on the team, whether he's on the floor with him or not, that turns Cole Anthony's role into Cole, just go score. Right. Even if it's even if he's playing 14 minutes off the game, like take nine shots in 14 minutes, do it because we don't need you to do anything else, and and mm-hmm. that's a that's a good spot for him to be in. I like that at six. Shouts to Anthony Black. Number seven, the Indiana Pacers on the clock, where they will take Jarris Walker. I knew that was coming out of Houston. This, if this happens, this will probably be the hindsight favorite fit pick for me. If it happens, because the Pacers were atrocious defensively last year. Atrocious. Like they couldn't stop the broadside of a barn from moving and inanimate objects stuck in the ground. <laughs> it could move on the Pacers. Um, I think you're like, they're just not that far away from having a really well-rounded basketball team on both ends of the floor because Halliburton is so good at making his teammates better and just scoring on his own. Matherin needs to get a better, get better from the three point line, but he has some of that. Just get to the bucket, hard nose score in him. That's hard to teach. Nemhard is awesome. You have one of the best rim protectors in the NBA and Miles Turner, but on the defensive end of the floor, that was all you had. Walker, I think, seriously elevates the floor of Indiana's defense and does it in a way that it won't completely stop the it won't completely like stop the ball offensively. Like he's he wasn't a fantastic shooter at Houston, but it, he, I think it was 34 and a half percent, 35 percent, something like, like that. He's a respectable shooter. Yeah. And I'm very much not in the camp of, yeah, he'll figure out the shot. Like I would not, I would hope that he, like if it goes from 34 and a half to 36, fantastic. But I also would not just kind of consider that a foregone conclusion. Either way, there's enough elsewhere. And when you play with a guy like Halliburton, it's just easy to be a productive offensive guy just is and then your defensive nucleus can operate around jairus walker guarding like the best guy on the team as long like as long as he's like a two three or four right and then miles turner protecting the rim like that's a pretty good place to start and then kind of put the pieces together around that on the defensive end. And I still think there's a good defender inside Benedict Matherin. If you can just get it in his head to be locked in on that end of the floor, it's okay. He's like 20 years old. Most 20, 21 year olds 
are not locked in on the defensive end when you can score like he can. So that's the that's the the, the biggest thing for India. And I also think that he's going to I think he's the guy that will help him help them win basketball games now because they clearly mm-hmm. don't have any interest in actually being bad enough to get a franchise changing player outside of trading for him like they did for Halliburton. So and gave up an all Sabonis didn't make an all-star team in Indiana, did he? I think he did. He did? Okay. I can Gave up an all-star caliber player to get him. Right. It's- what, yeah, whatever you think about Sabonis, that's one of... Yeah, he's a three-time all-star. Okay. Yeah, he he went to two all-star games, and I gotcha. think he was a starter one of those years. You might be right. 1920 yeah. and 2021. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. My point just being, it's not like you invest, you sacrifice the future to go get Tyrese Halberton. You traded mm-hmm. an all-star to get him. And right. people thought you lost the trade because right. he probably wasn't, as much as I love him, he still probably wasn't the best player in that trade. It's close. It's a it's a rare win-win trade. Yes, exactly. Because Sabonis right. completely unlocked De'Aaron Fox. Right. And Halliburton Both, is just awesome. And also made life easier for Indiana without having two bigs. Correct. But they, they both benefited, yes, mutually beneficial. Yeah. And also, yeah, right, we're coming out of this too big era in Indiana, which clearly eventually they decided it wasn't going to work. So Jairus Walker gives you that second forward. It's to a play. modern power forward. Exactly. To play yeah. with Miles Turner. That makes so much rather more than sense it being on the like floor. Jalen Smith, rather than right. being a guy like Jalen Smith. 100% right. agree. Yeah. So Pacers, Jairus Walker at seven. I'll be very much in on that. If, if it actually happens, the wizards, it seems like that one is just screaming to happen. I will be surprised if, unless Indiana trades, if they are there at seven, I will be surprised if Jarris Walker doesn't come off the board. I agree. I also, like, he also might be gone before then. But it's if he's there, mm-hmm. I feel like that they're going to get to the point where, they, they like, either Walker, Black, or Whitmore is there at seven, and all three, all three of those guys, I think, would be would be would be a, a good guy to 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 pick up there at seven. Mm-hmm. All right, Wizards, number eight on the clock. I saw Thompson. Yep. To me there the are the way the the way this shaked out, you I think you have to take a star here. Yeah. There are three and then there are five other guys and then there's the rest of the draft. <laughs> and Asar is the last of those other guys mm-hmm. remaining. And yeah, you're Washington Looks like you might be going into a full-on rebuild here. Go take the most talented, highest upside player. See if you can find yourself a, a nice piece for your next era. Mm-hmm. I have my concerns about the Thompson Twins just like you. I also concur with you that I feel better about Asar, but like Eamon's floor. I mean, sorry, mm-hmm. Eamon's ceiling better. This isn't going to be your franchise changer. You're not supposed to get those at number eight. But this could be a very the best player in the NBA is the forty first overall pick in this draft. So there is we'll see. Yes. Right. But probably not. But probably not. Sometimes you get lucky. Right. You know, Giannis was what, thirteen? Something like that. Have you have you seen the video of like like they didn't even televise the pick? It's a Taco Bell commercial. It's a Taco Bell commercial. Yeah. They just made the pick during a commercial break because that's the point of the draft we were in. Right. So good. So good. (laughs) 
best player in the NBA. Yeah. So, you know, you're not expecting this. You're not expecting him to be Webinyama. Right. But he gives you these nice kind of foundational skills that are important and valuable to a basketball team that's going to be successful. So then you start that next stage of, okay, get him some experience. And then you go for your home run, you know, big time star. Once you get even deeper in theory into the lottery as right, quite possibly the worst team in the league next season. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we're going to slowly get into how does this guy fit, whether it's the future of that team or or the fit of that guy as we get deeper into the lottery. And I just think Asar is like this, like five or six at worst on the, on most people's big board. Right. And if he's still there at eight, I think you need to take him. Now it gets interesting on the clock. Number nine, the Utah jazz will take UCF forward, Taylor Hendricks. Um, I think I think the Jazz should probably take either Hendricks or Walker, and I don't think Walker's going to be there at nine. Um, I think he makes a lot of sense next to Laurie Markkinen. We talked about in the last pod about how it doesn't seem like Taylor Hendricks is that creative offensively yet. It's just a lot of dunking and three-point shooting, which next to a guy like Laurie Markkinen, I think is is cool. We can we can do that. Um, he should be able to defend, which will be very nice. Um, and I just kind of think there will be other opportunities to get guards and that Hendricks is, has some two-way potential that the rest of these guys just don't, and he makes sense like next to Laurie Markkinen. So I like, I like Hendricks here to the Jazz. I'm also here for the block party between him and Walker Kessler. <laughs> sure. Sure thing. Yeah. Going to be interesting to see if Utah can ever find kind of a star that makes them more than just a playoff hopeful with this mm-hmm. group. But it's an interesting collection of players. A group that just finds ways to win basketball. Games. Yeah. And I'm 100% here for adding Taylor Hendricks to that interesting collection of players. That's that's most of what I've got for Taylor Hendricks, but I think that's a good landing spot for him. Number 10, Dallas. Okay, I'm going to go Derek Lively. I'm glad you went Derek Lively. I know you are. This is If you if you if you didn't pick him here, I he probably wasn't going to get picked in this podcast. That's probably true. But you did, and now Derek Lively can go catch lobs and play defense. Yeah. And to me, this is one of those situations where, again, if I'm Dallas, in a perfect world, I don't end up with this pick. Assuming they are making this pick, I don't really care about upside. (laughs) I care about trying to win basketball games next season and convince Luka Doncic to stay. Mm -hmm. Derek Lively is a guy who, yes, can he only help you in so many ways? Of course. 
but can he help you in those specific ways that your team seems to not be very good at? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he adds a different dimension to right the pick and roll game with assuming Kyrie also stays both of them. It's a shot shot protector. He's not going to cause any kind of ball movement issues or just he needs the ball to be effective, right? There's no mm-hmm. usage rate concerns here. Mm-hmm. It's one of those situations where I don't necessarily, I mean, I have him as the 11th on my big board, which is probably a little bit higher than other people. There are some teams where I would definitely stay away from him. He's he's one of those fit guys because he's going to do these things like we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Don't expect him to expand his skill set dramatically. But those things can help Dallas win now. And that's what you have to be focused on. Yeah, you 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 really don't need a rookie that thinks he should be getting more shots than he is playing on this Mavericks team. Or just a rookie who needs those kind of minutes and that kind of usage to develop into the player you're expecting them to be. Either or. Right. Tomato, tomato. It's the yeah. same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you need a guy who can be who whose main skill sets don't include scoring the basketball, especially right. when your new power forward's going to be LeBron James. Uh, <laughs> I don't actually think that's going to happen, but it would be fun if it did. Um, but you're spot on with all of this. I think Grady Dick would be interesting there as well mm. because like no one can shoot the basketball there. Like the, the secret is, is that like Luca's a good shooter, but he doesn't take any good three point shots, right? They're all step back 30 footers. So it looks like he can't shoot well, but I think Grady Dick would be interesting there. I also think Grady Dick's services would be better used elsewhere, but Lively, play some defense, block some shots, guard the rim. Another team that, you know, kind of went from this, the Mavericks are really awesome defensively to they were chasing a ceiling and lost their defense completely. Um, So as a result, you got to do something about that. Let the guy hang out in the dunker spots. In theory, you'd love for him to run the floor, but also Luca likes to walk the ball off the floor because he's out of shape. So that's probably not going to happen a ton, but that skill is absolutely there for Lively. And set a pick, roll hard to the rim. If you're open, Luca's probably going to find you. And... That's if you can do those things at a high level, we're also getting to the point where I don't want to draft guys that are just kind of good at everything. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's, it's the, the Denzel Valentine effect. The yep. I'm really good at a lot. I'm like solid at everything, but I'm not anywhere near elite at anything. And as a result, I just kind of get lost in the NBA. I find it really hard to believe that Derek Lively gets lost. in the <laughs> NBA. Yeah. So, and a Dallas team that is that needs to win basketball games right now in a way that most number 10 overall picks don't, right. I think it's a good pick. Orlando on the clock at 11. Once again, Orlando, the elephant in the room, when you have two top 11 picks, I don't think... I think generally it would be a unnecessary risk bite jump up the board with what you have going all going on in Orlando already to go up and get somebody like scoot um, with your two, with the two picks that you already have. Um, 
So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but Orlando has two picks in the top 11. Thank you, Chicago. And with 11, uh, I'm going to take Grady Dick. Mm. Orlando was 24th in the NBA in three-point shooting last year. Um, the only thing that Paolo Bancaro needs more of is space to operate. And there actually is sneaky, like not a ton of wing depth there. Like sneaky. You would think there is, but there's not. And like really what you'd love to see. And I, I thought I had a, a men going to Orlando at six on my board. I thought that was it. No, I had a I had a SAR going to Orlando at six. Sorry. Mm. Not not I had a men going to Houston. A SAR going to Orlando at six as kind of the glue guy at the the wing position, but at the the shooting guard position. But um I'm here for what you did with Anthony Black. Anyways, Grady Dick shooting. You don't have anybody who's elite at that on that roster. And just having a guy to run around, be a really smart basketball player, be a competitive player, and and shoot the lights out is, is whether it's coming off the bench or not, which I would assume it kind of is certainly early on is what it turns into. But having a guy that shoots like that is is never a bad thing. And, and I think he should either go here or he should go with the next pick, and I'll take him here. Okay. I, I have somebody who I also feel like needed to go with that pick or the next one, so I will take them for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Take them. And that is Leonard Miller. Okay. I really like Leonard Miller. Now, my concern with taking him with Dallas was he is the opposite of what the Mavericks could use because he is a scorer first and foremost. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't going to take him there. And he is also a project who's going to take some time. He, In many ways, the exact opposite of Derek Lively. But if you're the Thunder, you've already got some pieces that, right, that team is expected to make the playoffs next year. Exactly. So you don't necessarily need something right away. And if you're going to ever win a championship, you're going to win it with a homegrown team. Because I find it hard to believe you're going to be getting some high-profile free agents rolling up to Oklahoma City. Mm -hmm. So this is another team that you already have, right? You don't need Leonard Miller to be a star. You've already got one. You probably already have two. You might already have three. We don't know what Chet's going to look like yet. Maybe you don't think Josh Giddy is quite there. I would argue he is. And obviously you've got a you know all-NBA guy in SGA. So go see if you can go find yourself a fourth star that kind of can complement those guys. I really, really like his upside. It's going to take a little while. Defensively, there are some concerns. But that dude knows how to put the ball in the basket. And there are only so many guys to know how to do that. You and I clearly have two different philosophies about this. All the way back to Zaire Smith and Mike Bridges. I hated <laughs> that. And you loved it for almost this exact same reason. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think Oklahoma City has any business taking a project with this pick. Any business. Like, at some point, you got to win basketball games. 
we're all like the darlings of the NBA at this point are like the, oh my gosh, look how many young guys they have. Oh my gosh, their future. Like right. at some point we got to win basketball games. And I, I wouldn't consider Leonard the guy to, to get there, but maybe it's just, maybe Chet just doesn't click immediately and they're not as close as you might think they are. Or they're That's, already, or they're already there because you add Chet to this team. That's more right. where I'm I'm basing this off of. Right. And I completely disagree with your with your logic there. If Chet make if Chet gets you there, why are you drafting a project? Why are you not drafting a guy that's helping you that's not helping you win games immediately? Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, I see what you're saying. My counter would be is that is that group enough to win a championship no but leonard miller doesn't make it enough to win a championship probably not i i am very much in the but we're also not in championship like that's not the mode we're in we're in making the playoffs mode in oklahoma city sure and i i'm operating in a world where i think that's something that should happen regardless of what they do with this pick you're you're probably right if it if it to me, this is kind of the last year before I switch my thinking on that. Because mm. if you make the playoffs next season, I think they lost that this year. And that's a this would have been the year. Chet being hurt doesn't push it back, especially with the fact that you almost made the playoffs this year. You're a playing team this year without Chet. And that, yeah, difference of opinion. That's certainly a valid valid position to hold. I'm also looking at this and just who is who is the guy that you would have taken instead? I guess I'll just ask that. Uh Kobe Bufkin. Okay, yeah. See that just wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> but I like I got no interest in guy in, in anybody that's taking the ball out of Jalen Williams, SGA and Josh Giddy's hands. You have your you have your on ball guys. I don't need anybody else to, and then chat to the extent that he can be an on-ball guy. But I like like that's why I think Grady Dick would be fun there because yes. oh I really like I really like that fit yeah mm-hmm. definitely. Um, but I am just yeah. I mean I don't I don't I don't love. I don't love anybody left. So, that's that's part like, of it too. Is if there was a guy that I felt like, I mean, the other argument you could have is Jordan Hawkins, but to me, Jordan Hawkins is not a lottery pick. No, I mean so neither I, is Leonard Miller. <laughs> I feel like some people would disagree with you about that. That's fine. I haven't seen him on anybody's big board ahead of 15, which really? would suggest he's not a lottery pick. Might have to do at some least looking not the into one, that. At least not the, one, not, not the ones I've looked at. I'm going to investigate this as we continue. The, the other place I might have, have looked is a guy like Casey Wallace. I consider that as well as kind of like a like a 
backup, like backup guard, you know, you need some defensive spark kind of, they, they were fine. Dude, they were, you know, middle of the NBA, but your point guards right now after SGA or Trey Mann and Jared Butler, Trey Mann, who actually I think had a solid year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Played in 60 games, excuse me, played in 67 games, back up seven and a half points a game, couple rebounds, couple of assists. But that would give you a different skill set at the backup guard position. And that would be the other guy I would I would I would look at there. I just think they're far too close to like even if Leonard Miller in f- three years is a is is at that point a productive NBA player, I still don't think that's soon enough. Like if that's the thing you're waiting on to really, or you could get somebody now that pushes you 10% forward. And in three years, Leonard Miller pushes you 17% forward. Like, I'm not sure that's worth the wait. I agree with, I agree with that. I'm operating more on the, at that point, he is clearly better than the other options here. And he's, you know, your fourth best player. Maybe I mean, if that happens, then then I'll tip my hat to you. And by the way, I did find a the athletic Sam Vecine, his big board has Leonard Miller at thirteen. Okay, that's fine. A, a, a G League guy whose number one thing is athleticism, you can have him. Sorry, <laughs> I don't. I just I couldn't care less about you being athletic in the G League Ignite program. We might have to have a Leonard Miller versus Kobe Buff kid thing going here. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm like, like, still growing into his body. Sure, awesome. All right, All so right. Tor- Toronto's next, right? Toronto's next on the clock. Toronto. Um, I, I don't think Fred Van, Fred Van Vliet is going to be a <laughs> Toronto Raptor, so we're going to take Jalen Huchfino. Um Oh, that's not what I thought you were going with that. Okay. Where did you think I was going? Oh, oh, you sorry. Yeah, no, I thought you were going to take Casey Wallace. No, Casey Wallace is not going to be a starting league guard in the NBA, at least not for a good basketball team. I think Jalen Hutchfino has a chance to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Casey Wallace is pro is a little too. I I like the size of Jalen Hutchfino more, and. Yeah, I just, I, I just like if you need a guy to be your starting lead guard, I like Jalen Hutchfino for that role more than Casey Wallace. I think Casey Wallace is going to excel in the NBA as a specialist more than anything else, and I'm not totally sold that Jalen Hutchfino is going to be anything other than like a spark type of guy off the bench. But I think he has a better chance to be at six four. He's got really good size as a lead guard and he would just be fun next to Scotty Barnes and everything else that's, that's going on there. That's the other part of this. Like there needs to be some sort of on ball creativity in Toronto because nobody else has any of it other than Pascal Siakam. Like Scotty Barnes does a ton of things well, 
but kind of being this like this this um uh what's uh, off script acting what is that improv no script act yeah this like improvisation thing like just kind of turn a possession into something kind of thing not exactly what he's the best at and I think Hood Shafino has the best chance to be that. And I don't think it's Casey Wallace. So I'll take Hood Shafino at 13. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with the overall potential thing. I guess I just had this mental hurdle of him as a point guard in the NBA, and I'm not really sure why. It's probably because he's not. That's not his primary skill set. But yeah, also, I, that's not the primary skill set of most point guards in the NBA at this point. Most of them are right, passers. Because it's not like he's incapable of being the primary. He's not a point guard, but he's capable of being the primary ball handler. Yeah. Which is all you're actually looking for. I just, there's something about it that I just worry that's going to take away from his pure scoring ability, I guess. I don't I don't really know even where I'm going with that cuz I really like him and I I agree with you that if you ask me which one's going to have a which one has the chance of being a a better chance of being an impactful high level NBA player between him and Casey Wallace I'm definitely going Jalen Hood Chifino. And maybe the answer to the question is just simply Scotty Barnes averages 5 assists per game and so you don't have he doesn't have mm-hmm. to always be that guy. Right. That it can kind of be a give and take type of facilitation thing that they do yeah because the one thing i do like about case and wallace is yeah you might have concerns about what he can give you in terms of offensively and just how good of an nba player he can be you also Mm -hmm. know what you're getting on the defensive end you know he's gonna be able to make an impact yeah but if you're toronto i would probably lean toward hochefino too because that's still a team that's trying to win now whether they have the pieces to do so is a different conversation. Hmm. But you've got Scotty Barnes, you've got Pascal Siakam. You're trying to replace Fred Van Fleet, theoretically. In that situation, I like your Hutchifino pick. On the clock with the last pick of the drafts, hmm. New Orleans Pelicans. Who I would be stunned if they take if they make this pick <laughs> next Thursday. If they are actually the team that makes this pick. I'm going to go Case and Wallace. Okay. Whatever combination of players this ends up being next season, <laughs> they are very much on the we need to win thing. Where I'm not willing to give them another year like I am the Thunder. Because the other name I was considering is Bilal Kulabali. Because that guy can really defend. Also, long-term project, not going to be ready to contribute right away. Mm-hmm. Case and Wallace is going to be able to guard the primary ball handler of the other team and give you 15 minutes off the bench. So I will go with Case and Wallace as kind of the more NBA-ready guy for a team that is 
not just ready to win games, but needs to, considering recent developments and how things are currently going in New Orleans. Mm. Yeah, I don't hate that. Thoughts counted, George. Interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting That's kind idea. Of the shooting guard of the future kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's a whole list of guys that would be interesting that I couldn't talk myself into making lottery picks just because I have so many concerns. Mm-hmm. Kante George, Nick Smith, Derek Whitehead, Bryce Sensabaugh, Jordan Hawkins even. There are a lot of interesting names. I feel like they're going to be taken 15 to 25. I think you're right. I think you're right. And I guess this will be the final thing I'll I'll say just on the rest of the first round. So right after the lottery, once you get past the next couple picks, you're talking about the Lakers, the Heat, the Warriors, have back-to-back-to-back picks. Then you've got Sacramento, Memphis. Pacers have another pick. And then another pick after that. But there's this run in the middle of the first round, specifically Lakers, Heat, Warriors. With, you know, the possibility of having the Chris Murray's, Jordan Hawkins, Derek Whitehead, Nick Smith's of the world available. Which gets really interesting. Because those guys have some of the highest upside in the entire draft, I would argue. Mm -hmm. And also, there's a reason they are not projected lottery picks at this point. Right. And you're matching those guys with teams that you know are coming off the NBA finals coming off the western finals last year's champions looking for that next piece to kind of go to the next level you know imagine if Tariq Whitehead works out on the Warriors or something like that and they have another shooter I mean my goodness well it would they it, it would mean the first draft pick that they have hit on since you know Clay Thompson right exactly and right, so the other two guys that you I mean, thought I guess they hit on Jordan Poole, but then I'll pay him more money than he's worth. So like what yeah. does it actually mean? Yeah. And you know, they're reportedly already trying to trade Kaminga and yeah. So it's not a good right, there's a reason there's these guys aren't gonna go in the lottery. It's just interesting to me that or you get Nick Smith down in Miami or something. I mean it's just interesting that those things line up where there could be some very curious picks for some impact teams that are trying to win titles next season. Agreed. There it is. There's the lottery. Anything else? I don't think so. Congratulations to the Nuggets. Congratulations to the Nuggets. Some Serbian dude that the Nuggets took 41st, (laughs) not on the broadcast, is the best player in the NBA. What a world. What a world we live in. And it's interesting because it feels like, right when a team when a team when a team wins a title, it's one of two things. It feels like the beginning of a run or the culmination of something. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like the Nuggets are going to be around for a while. Yeah. And okay, so here's a good example. This might be the example I can cling to of my justification for that Thunder pick. Okay. Michael Porter Jr. 
Yeah, but Michael Porter Jr. was like the project was his health. That's also true. Sure. Mm-hmm. Not is he actually capable of being a productive NBA player? Sure. Fair. I mean, right. it's fair. Yeah, it's but... a different different set of circumstances. Yeah. This this idea of you're already good maybe not good enough to be a legit championship contender. You have this opportunity. Go swing for the fences because if that guy works out, all of a sudden you have another and yeah, he he's on a level that these other guys probably would never going to get to. But you have that third, fourth, and I mean he's option three. But you have that next guy that you then you start looking at the list and you go, my goodness, you got to guard Jokic and Murray and him and Aaron Gordon and X Y Z. Not a perfect, not a perfect comparison. I will acknowledge, but to me, that is the if it works, that's what it looks like, and that's why for some teams, I think it's worth a shot. Fair. Or the Sixers could just have Michael Bridges, <laughs> and also Michael Bridges, admittedly, has turned into a much better. If that, if you had told me that was what Michael Bridges was going to be. I would have felt very differently. I was just wrong in projecting him as an NBA player. Yeah, but even if he was an eleven and six, like three and D guy, that would that was still always better than Zaire Smith. <laughs> it just was. Um, we'll be back eight days from now. It is June fifteenth, Thursday, June fifteenth. We will be back Friday, June twenty third, post NBA draft. We will have a discussion about it where guys ended up, what happened. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll just chit-chat. We'll chit-chat about the draft in roughly eight days from now. Until then, thank you so much for listening to this edition of the J-Series Podcast. Please subscribe to the J-Series Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at J-Series Pod. Check out the YouTube. All of those fun things. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jace for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. And we will see you later.